Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass? So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Just a heads up before we begin this episode. The Baron of Botox deals with difficult topics, including depression and suicide. It is not recommended for young audiences. Stay tuned to the end of the episode for information on resources for anyone who is suffering from depression or suicidal thoughts. Let's begin the show. We all want to look our best, but what is it that makes someone beautiful? Could an ancient math equation be the answer? Or is the truth just a little bit more complicated than that? By now, you might have heard the news that Bella Hadid is the most beautiful woman in the world, according to science. That's it, the rest of us can just give up now and call it a day. From Imperative Entertainment, I'm Justine Harmon, and this is The Baron of Botox. Episode 7, Mother's Eye. Here's a headline I never expected to read in the New York Times. Ashley's nose job is the last straw for new editor of Marie Claire. But there it is. Clear is the cute new nose on Ashley Simpson's face, on page C5 of the July 31st, 2006 paper. You may recall that back in the aughts, Ashley Simpson was pretty much everywhere. Remember this banger? On a Monday, I am waiting. Tuesday, I am fading. And by Wednesday... So here's what happened. Back in 2006... Ashley appeared on the cover of Marie Claire with the headline, The Truth About My Body, and then promptly got her nose done. Marie Claire readers were pissed. The new editor-in-chief, Joanna Coles, who said she'd fielded a thousand letters on the topic, addressed the matter in a September 2006 issue of the magazine. Of what she called Simpson's obvious rhinoplasty, she wrote, We're dazed and confused and disappointed by her choice, too. I, however, was dazzled by the change. In an email to a former boyfriend that is somehow still in my outbox, I wrote, apropos of literally nothing, Ashley Simpson has the best nose job ever. I wasn't the only one who thought so. Our top story focuses on an entertainer who was never an ugly duckling, but a little medical magic turned this songbird into a beautiful swan. At number one on the best list is Ashley Simpson and her graceful new nose. In the hallowed halls of the celebrity plastic surgery obsessed, Ashley Simpson's nose job remains the holy grail. It's the rare cosmetic intervention that somehow enhances all the stuff that just works about a face. With a single tweak, she went from pretty to practically perfect. Here's a fascinating thing. You look at a magazine, okay, or you look at a movie, and in the end, you have all these credits. Photography by so-and-so, makeup by so-and-so, hair so-and-so, a producer. This, this is Dr. Raj Kanodia, the plastic surgeon who eventually got credit for reimagining Ashley's nose. A fact he laments is quite rare in the celebrity world. Those days, it was mentioned all over the news media, went viral, so to speak. 
You may remember Dr. Kenodia from his many appearances on the series Dr. 90210, which ran on E! from 2004 to 2008. In one episode, he is shown seated at his oversized wooden desk, chatting with Cindy Crawford about removing three potentially cancerous beauty marks. I love what I do. I've had models and really gorgeous people in my practice and literally your jaw drops when they walk in because i do have a lot yeah. of models and yeah. of course yeah, I'm so of course the one <laughs> um but that one wasn't a problem thank goodness my mall i don't really even think about it dr Kenodia's office is on the eighth floor of a nondescript building in beverly hills that is spitting distance from both rodeo drive and lisa vanderpump's villa blanca restaurant but unlike dr brant's clinical and clean space Canodia's has a green marble floor, gold-framed watercolors, and vintage-looking sofas covered in sherbet-colored fabrics. There are vintage Disney movie posters lining the hallway. When I arrive, I see a woman almost comically wrapped in bandages making a beeline for the elevator. Dr. Canodia's team has invited me to try a treatment at their med spa. I choose the red carpet laser facial, mostly because it sounds like the least aggressive thing on the menu. It's a quick, pore-refining treatment that, even with a full face of numbing cream, feels like a super mutant cat is aggressively licking my face. We then sit down in Dr. Kenodia's office, the same one where Cindy Crawford joked about her famous beauty mark. Dr. Kenodia is intense, but in a warm and interested way. His eyes are always darting around and taking in information. I brought with me a printout of questions onto which I'd scrawled some notes, and as we're making small talk, I can tell he's furiously trying to figure out what I've written. They never say nose by Dr. Kenodia. They never say. You know, it's so funny. You know, we plastic surgeons are put down on the list. Our names are never mentioned, which is kind of strange. And I understand the privacy part from celebrities that they don't want to reveal. But on the other hand, it's sort of a joke because they mention about the eyebrows and the makeup. And mm-hmm. then they mention about everything but what surgeries they have had or what injections they have had, what I guess that's how society is. So once in a while it gets revealed and when it does, then it has some benefits to it. Dr. Kenodia says that he and Dr. Brandt met back in 2005 or 2006 when he was doing Dr. 90210. A well-known publicist in New York thought the two forward-thinking doctors should meet. So Dr. Kenodia flew to Miami to shadow Dr. Brandt and to learn from him. We went from room to room. We probably saw, I saw him do about 10 patients, injections and stuff. End of the day, we had dinner. So he was extremely welcome. And he kept telling me that I'm the first observer of that level he's had. And we would talk to each other. Why are you teaching that conference? I'm teaching that conference. All right, let's. So we sort of became friends. It makes sense. Despite their different specialties, the two have a lot in common. Like Dr. Brandt, Dr. Kenodia actively fights the natural forces of gravity and time. And he's extremely competitive. When I mention that Dr. Brandt was one of the first to experiment with putting Botox in the neck, he's quick to tell me that he's been doing it for 20 years. He's also a self-professed perfectionist. In fact, Dr. Kenodia says he won't work on botched patients. I don't like to fix problematic stuff. Very rarely I do that because I want... Good canvas or blank canvas. Don't want a canvas which has been really messed up. And then despite my best effort, 
first of all, I frustrate myself because being a perfectionist, I want to take this messed up thing into what I see and I can't get there, then I frustrate myself. And like Dr. Brandt, Dr. Kenodia thinks getting older is, well, the worst thing on earth. I know this because I asked him something that has been bugging me throughout my reporting. Why do you want to be younger every day? Eventually, you will get older. And what's so wrong about getting older? Getting old, it sucks. It totally sucks because there's nothing <laughs> good about getting old. I'm getting the wisdom and the knowledge from my age. That's great. I love it. But the youthful body and mind and yeah. soul is important to live in this world and enjoy it to the fullest. Okay. So I want to be able to do, I want to be able to ski. I want to be able to lift weights. You should see the abdominal curls I do. Nobody can do that. I can challenge an 18-year-old. I can challenge a super athletes and they cannot do. Two years ago, I couldn't do one. And now I can do 21 abdominal curls at the best form. Do you think everyone who's at the top of their game in this industry feels the same way? Nonsense, no. 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 Most of the guys look like idiots. They don't do anything. They look old. They're 50, they look like 70. Dr. Kenodia tells me that he wanted to go to Miami to watch how Dr. Brandt operated and how he injected, even how he talked to his patients. He says when he started out, his practice was 100% surgery. These days, it's 50% noses, 50% injectables. And one in five patients comes in with a picture of a celebrity. He says he once had a 70-year-old man bring him a picture of Ashley Simpson and ask, Can I look like this? Dr. Kenodia turned him down. A lot of doctors will say, bring me a picture of what you want to look like. And it's not possible. Whether you're doing a face or doing a breast, you know, their doctors will say, bring me a picture of what kind of breast you want. No, you have to work with what the anatomy is if you want to keep it natural. Right. You're trying to do something very drastic, like Michael Jackson. I turned him down two or three times. Yes, you heard that right. Dr. Kenodia says he turned down Michael Jackson on multiple occasions. He would say, no, I want some more. I want some more. I want very thin nose. I want white skin. She can't have it. So the doctor has to be very realistic. Like, you can't take a $2 painting from Kmart and turn it into a $20 million Rembrandt. You can't. It's not possible. Aside from being the guy for tasteful rhinoplasty, Kenodia has joined the masses of celebrity doctors who share surgery videos and before and after pictures on Instagram. Social media, he says, is no longer optional, not even for the nose job king of Hollywood. I said, look, I don't need it. I'm busy. I don't need social media. I was wrong. I was successful, God's blessing, but I needed it because what I was seeing is that a lot of younger guys who are, some are talented, some are not, because of the social media, the prominence they're getting, the notoriety they're getting, because of their constant posting, I'm losing out. The reason I did it, people have asked me over the years, why don't you write a book, you know, because my life is like a Cinderella story. I also believe in beauty and I also believe in wellness. So wellness, longevity, health and beauty, I think they all go hand in hand. And I'm a student of that, both mentally and physically. I work out seven days a week. I've always worked out. I used to work out once a week, twice a week, three. Now I work out seven days a week. So aging is an active process. You must act very actively to negate it. My goal is not only to stop the aging process. I want to get younger. I want to get younger. 
So every year, every day, every month, I think about something. What can I do to up my game? Okay, that's how I live. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. As an exercise, I've started to guess the ages of the people walking by me in New York City. And it's um really hard. So I find myself not just looking at faces for clues. I look at posture and hands and clothes and the way someone moves through the world. Newsflash. If you're not walking around with your iPhone in front of you like a goddamn metal detector, you're at least 40. Sometimes I get tripped up, of course. There's a woman, a regular at the French bistro on my corner, who remains a giant question mark. Is she 30 or 50? Her skin is luminous and clear. She often wears wide-leg corduroys and nubbly sweaters. Her sun-bleached blonde hair is always swept up in a little bun with curly cues sticking out at her temple. On the occasion of her recent birthday, again, 30, 50? She treated friends to a bottle of champagne, which she giddily poured into their flutes, clapping as the bubbles overflowed. Regardless of her age, her beauty knocks me out. I'm a psychologist at Harvard Medical School and at the university. I have spent much of my career studying how we perceive faces, beauty, and aesthetics in the environment. This is Nancy Etkoff. She literally wrote the book on the science of beauty in 1999. It's called Survival of the Prettiest. Her 2004 TED Talk on the pursuit of happiness has been watched over two million times. Dr. Etkoff has a knack for taking thorny biological and historical information and making it approachable, sexy even. From very early times, we've always tried to alter our appearance in ways that we assume might make us more appealing, more attractive, more powerful. If you go back to tribal societies, that was much more about the social context. But again, a lot of attention to grooming, adornment, paint on the body. And it's continued now. If you look into the Renaissance, royalty would put on thick gobs of white paste on their face to try to cover up perhaps some blemishes or to look better to others. Dr. Etkoff says beauty isn't just one thing. That whole theory about a golden ratio, something Bella Hadid supposedly has, she's not buying it. I think you can look at beauty in a number of ways. One can be there's the evolutionary explanation, let's say the bait of what people have found beautiful. There's the cultural and the social context, what your friends like, what your friends are wearing, what's currently happening in your culture. Then there's another part of beauty, which is a little less 
physical and harder to put into words, but it's about the capacity to move other people, I would say. There can be something really moving about a person that captures us and makes us want to linger longer, look further, and we can't quite put our finger on what that is. I think empathy is part of that, certain resonance with yourself and you know your own background, it, or it can just be something about that person's force of personality or presence. Some people have enormous presence, the way they carry themselves, the way they move, the way they talk and think. So I think it can go beyond the physical. And people can talk about, I think for the most part, it's just people like how certain people look more than others. Um, but I do think there are some of these less tangible qualities too. People can make a distinction between what looks beautiful and perhaps what feels beautiful too. If you ask a person, are you beautiful? Most people would say no. You know, they, they just won't. They might say they're really brilliant. They're really talented. But no, I'm not beautiful. Um, very few people will really describe themselves that way. But if you ask people, oh, when have you ever felt beautiful? Everyone can do that. Oh, I felt it in this circumstance, wearing this thing or, you know, with that person. So there's a sort of transient feeling that, that people get. Dr. Etkoff says that the advent of plastic surgery and cosmetic interventions has served to expedite and warp the evolution of aesthetics. But it's not all doom and gloom. For the most part, people think they're fundamentally more attractive than they actually are. When we do studies and look at people, give them, let's say, a portrait of themselves, and we allow them to manipulate it in the following way. We take a picture of them and try, quote, to beautify it in some way to make it more symmetrical or whatever, maybe put it together with someone else's face. And then we see which face people choose as them. People will often choose the slightly more attractive face as themselves. We all have a somewhat positive bias that way. We see ourselves potentially in our imagination, in our best possible light. So it does look like us in, at some level. We always think everyone doesn't like the way they look, but it's actually not true. You know, I think subtle facial work could probably do the same thing, which is here's how you ideally see yourself. Tweak a little here, tweak a little there, and this is you on a good day feeling good about yourself. So I think if it's subtle, then often you will get used to it and see it as you. But other people who know you well might have seen that kaleidoscope of faces, all the expressions, and say, well, you know, on average, this is you anyway. This is how I see you. Your own perception and someone else's are unlikely to be exactly the same. She says that social media has lurched us toward a new beauty ideal, something The New Yorker described as a rootless exoticism in a 2019 essay called The Age of Instagram Face. It reads, The face is distinctly white but ambiguously ethnic. It suggests a National Geographic composite illustrating what Americans will look like in 2050 if every American of the future were to be a direct descendant of Kim Kardashian West, Bella Hadid, Emily Ratajkowski, and Kendall Jenner. Dr. Brandt was undeniably beholden to the ideals and the limitations of his own generation. He grew up during the golden age of Hollywood, when studios had a stronghold over their stars, and plastic surgery made its bombshells appear more blue-blooded. His most famous faces shared the unmistakable contours of beauties like Betty Davis, 
Judy Garland, and Rita Hayworth, who reportedly had her hairline raised to obscure her Latina roots. The America we live in now may be changing at a rapid clip, but it seems our idea of what's beautiful remains stuck in media res. One theory of beauty is that we take all people that we've seen, we meld them into some kind of average, and that's that's part of what we find beautiful. That really changes. It changes if we only look at a small slice of people. So for a long time, at least in the United States, it was very much blonde, tall, white. That was it, and that, that's what people aspired to. I think now we live in a more multicultural society, one that wants to look at like a meld of cultures or a contemporary, and so we're moving away from what was really a Nordic example before in into one that is more multicultural. But if you look like at early Hollywood, if you look at the face of Garbo, you know, who was absolutely idolized, it is such um, a Nordic face. The eyes, the lips are thin, the, the skin tone is so light, the big eyelids, smaller. All of the features are very much of a certain time and place and culture. Today, it has really shifted, and it shifted even within plastic surgery. Noses are left a little wider, lips are a little fuller. We're often informed by the time we live in and what we see and what is held up as the current idea of what encapsulates beauty. What companies would you want to work for? Just Capital is a nonprofit that tracks which companies are a force for good. Companies like Bank of America, which just earned the prestigious Just Capital 2024 seal. Bank of America is ranked number one in the banking industry and number one for their ongoing commitment to workers, offering best-in-class benefits, including a minimum wage of $25 an hour by 2025. Visit JustCapital.com to learn how a just business is a better business. Furnished by Just Capital. Just Capital is a nonprofit that tracks which companies are a force for good. Companies like Bank of America, which just earned the Just Capital seal. Bank of America is ranked number one for ongoing commitment to their workers with initiatives like Sharing Success, which awarded 97% of their teammates additional compensation, nearly all in stock. This is the program's seventh consecutive year, awarding more than $4.8 billion in total. Visit JustCapital.com to learn how a just business is a better business. Furnished by Just Capital. So how do we navigate this glitch in the matrix? On one hand, beauty is still unquantifiable and subjective. Dr. Kenodia tells me that three top surgeons will look at the same pretty face and see three very different ways to enhance it. Dr. Etkoff says, more or less, it's the way you make the people around you feel. But then on the other hand, Bella Hadid, a model who has never copped to changing her face, even though most would agree she has, is largely considered the most beautiful woman in the world. Dr. Kenodia tells me this kind of tweak is his specialty. My mantra is to fool the mother's eye. The mother's eye. Yeah, the mother's <laughs> eye is the keenest about this son or daughter's face. You can fool the boyfriend, you can fool the husband, you can fool the brother and the father, but the mother is the keenest. And a lot of noses I do, I say, we can fool your mother. Then they'll text me back, yes, fool the mother. But that's the art. Art is to just enhance it and not change it. When I connect with Lauren Everts Bostic, the self-professed Howard Stern of blogging, she is nearly 39 weeks pregnant with her first child and about to pop, she says. People are getting stuff done and people are lying about it. And that's fine if you want to lie about it, like lie about it all day long. But for me and my platform, I'm just going to talk about it and open the dialogue. 
Everts Bostic is the founder of the Skinny Confidential website and podcast and an Instagram personality with nearly 1 million followers. And she is one of the few people in the influencer space who is open about the work she's had done. I got my boobs done when I was 18. I saved up every single penny working at a boutique and paid for it like right after graduation. And I never thought it was a big deal. And I think maybe that has to do with my childhood. I grew up in a very non-judgmental environment. And I kind of always thought everyone was like that. And then I realized that they weren't, that we're growing up in a, a society that can be very judgmental. And I think if I can breathe um, a vibe of being unapologetically yourself in, in a non-judgmental way, then I want to be a crusader for that. Since founding the Skinny Confidential in 2011, a pun on getting the 411 or the skinny, Everts Bostic has witnessed firsthand the way social media has changed the way we see ourselves. Here's the thing. You're taking way more pictures of yourself than you've ever took. So you're seeing yourself in a different way than you saw yourself 10 years ago. A selfie, now we know how to position our head to the way we like it and our chin and our lips. We've almost been trained on how, on just constantly looking at ourselves. But regardless of the constant self-scrutiny and our tendency to overinflate our own good looks, Dr. Etkoff says none of us has any idea what we look like to other people. As much as we try to control our image, people basically see what they want to see. I think one of the puzzling and frustrating things about evolution of, of our perceptual abilities is that other people can look at us quickly in 100 milliseconds and take away from that glance all kinds of impressions of us, our personality, our age, our beauty, you know, how competent we are, how trustworthy. And I've done face experiments for decades. And you find this. People make instant judgments. We are not able to do that. We don't see ourselves as others do. So the most informative part of our physical presence is when we have to see distorted through a mirror. And at times that we want to seek out a mirror. For us, there is a wealth of information about how we're feeling, how confident we are, how we're doing, how other people are responding to us. In her 2019 collection of essays, Trick Mirror, Gia Tolentino, who also authored the New Yorker piece about Instagram face, writes that the psychological parasite of the ideal woman has evolved in an ecosystem that pretends to resist her. She continues, If women start to resist an aesthetic, like the over-application of Photoshop, the aesthetic just changes to suit us. The power of the ideal image never actually wanes. As I write this, I am sitting under a heat lamp at Bumble and Bumble, getting a full head of blonde highlights. Shout out to my Baron of Blonde, Tippy. I do this every two months. I sit here and stare at my face in a kindly lit mirror and bleach half of my naturally brown head of hair the color it hasn't been since I was a child. The goal, I always say, is to make it appear as if the hair is growing out of my scalp this way. On the tedious process of maintaining her own looks, Tolentino writes, I like trying to look good, but it's hard to say how much you can genuinely, independently like what amounts to a mandate. For me, being believably blonde feels kind of like a mandate, as does trying to reach my pre-baby weight, keeping my eyebrows in check, making sure my teeth haven't gone yellow, and having a fresh coat of polish on my toes at hot yoga. All of this takes up space in my brain, which is currently getting roasted under about 17 layers of tinfoil. And the time I think about it most, 
the moment when I fling myself into researching some new procedure, diet, or placing a frantic call to my colorist, when I'm scrambling to find something to control, frankly, when I'm spinning out a little. My producer, Jason, asked whether I was embarrassed to admit this. I'm not, but I do wish I wasn't always working overtime to get back to my own optimized version of normal. Turns out the only thing I hate more than trying to look good is feeling like I look like shit. Anyway, Dr. Etkoff says all of this is pretty normal. We project onto our body a lot of the feelings that we have because, you know, we're here, we can see our thighs or our chest or whatever. Often our own emotions get projected onto them in a way that when we're feeling better, we pretty much don't think about our bodies. You know, when we're really involved and engaged, we're thinking about the other people, we're thinking about what they're saying or what we're hearing and what we're doing. When we're feeling bad, we bring our focus back to the body quite often. It's been 14 years since a national magazine was publicly disappointed that a celebrity augmented her nose, and 18 since Botox was approved for cosmetic use by the FDA. Now, instead of publicly criticizing the knife styles of the rich and famous, we use their rigorously perfected faces as unattainable goalposts. Our brains know that there is magic involved in the flattened, poreless faces of Instagram. But our eyes, shameless gluttons for perfection, spark with joy at the implausible symmetry. The Baron of Botox is a production of Imperative Entertainment. It was created, written, and reported by me, Justine Harmon. Executive producer is Jason Hoke. Produced and engineered by Shane Freeman, with additional editing from Jasmine Cross and Jason Hope. Original music by Brandon Bush. Barbara Keene is our researcher and fact checker. Special thanks to Oren Rosenbaum at UTA. If you like the show, tell your friends and leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. The Baron of Botox is a 10-episode series with new episodes available every Tuesday. Have questions? Email us at podcasts at imperativeentertainment.com. If you or someone you know is struggling from depression, find local support and more resources by visiting NAMI, N-A-M-I dot org. If you are having suicidal thoughts, you can reach a trained crisis counselor by calling the toll-free National Suicide Prevention Lifeline at 800-273-TALK or texting NAMI, N-A-M-I to 741-741. You are not alone. Thank you for listening. The Ed Milet Show showcases the greatest peak performers sharing their journey, knowledge, and thought leadership. This is one of the all-time best pieces of advice ever given on the show. Actor Rain Wilson. The number one thing that psychologists point to with young people of why they are struggling so much in this mental health epidemic is they don't have resilience. So how do you build resilience if you don't understand suffering itself? The Ed Milet Show is available on YouTube or wherever you listen. Hi there. Sorry for the interruption, but are you enjoying this show on Google Podcasts? You should know that the Google Podcasts app is going away this spring. That's right, going away, gone, as in no longer available. You can still enjoy this show elsewhere, though. Try out Spotify or Amazon Music, or maybe TuneIn is more your style. Whatever app you switch to, be sure to follow so you never miss the next episode. And thanks for listening wherever 
you listen. <laughs>